focusing on these verses today. Let's pray. Lord, blessing and honor, glory and power be unto you forever. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The greatest adventure in life begins when we respond to Christ's invitation. Follow me. Here's how it happened for Simon Peter. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. It all began with an interruption. Jesus decided to interrupt Simon's regularly scheduled life with a request. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Now? We're doing this now? For Peter, it had been a hard day's night. After hours of futility fighting the currents and the cold winds out on the sea, they had caught nothing. It was the worst fishing trip ever. So Simon was frustrated. He was exhausted. He was starving. But before he could go to home and eat and get some sleep, he had to finish cleaning the nets. That was as far as he got in mapping out his five-year plan. And then... He was rudely interrupted. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now why did he have to pick my boat? I should have avoided eye contact. I'm too tired to listen to a sermon right now. But that's okay because this sermon wasn't for him. Jesus was speaking to the people gathered along the shore. Simon just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And to his credit, Simon made no objections. He agreed to help out. After all, this was only temporary. And it's very possible that as the boat was gently rocked by the incoming tide, he started dozing off a bit. If you've seen Mr. Bean goes to church, that's kind of probably what happened. I hope this is not going to be a long sermon. Isn't that a picture of our life sometimes? You know, going to church, it's a bit of an interruption. I mean, just when you've got some traction, you've got to power down again. And you're having trouble staying awake because you were up too late the, the night before. So you're relieved when it's all over. Okay, I've done my duty. Now I can get on with the rest of my life. A little bit of Facebook, some angry birds. I want to try out that new app. I need to check out the sale at the dollar store. And I have to work on the highlights in my hair. You know why people highlight their hair? It's because they think some strands are more important than others. I'm not sure, but that's what I think. But when church is over, you can do whatever you want. Verse 4 when he had finished speaking. Now, just imagine if it had ended right there. 
Simon would have gone home, and tomorrow his routine would start all over again. An endless, repeating Galilee Groundhog Day. What if it had ended right there? And what about us? What if we are on the verge of a breakthrough, but we just turn around and walk away? This is not a good time. Maybe next Sunday. I mean, you've got your life all planned out. There's Monday night football. There's Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday, it's the Food Network. Chicken Thursday, TGIF. Saturday in the park. It's a very nice, comfortable routine. But what if there was something more than that? And what if that started today? You see, with Jesus, there's always more. In fact, every time you come to church, Jesus is offering you something more. There's only one problem, but we'll get to that. For Simon, Jesus had something more than just a temporary interruption. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Who? Me? Are you talking to me? Simon was not expecting that. Has this ever happened to you? You know, you're sitting there listening to a sermon, and as usual, it's mostly about other people. Then all of a sudden, the wind changes, and the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you. This message has your name on it. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, The adventure begins when we realize the Lord is not just talking to the congregation in general. He's calling your name. This is for you. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Well, how about that? This could be interesting. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say. This could be a real blessing. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. What? Oh, no. Simon did not see that coming. This interruption was now upgraded to an intrusion. Put out into deep water and, and let down the nets for a catch? I don't believe it. Come on, son of man. I did you a favor. Please release me. Let me go. This was awkward. Now what do I do? Well, it's very simple. Just do what everybody else does. When you don't want to obey, you just have to find a good excuse. And Simon had a great one. Maybe the best excuse ever. And it was pure fact. There wasn't an ounce of baloney in it. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. With all due respect, Lord, you can talk to me about the lilies of the fields and the birds of the air, but leave the fishing to me. You're a carpenter by trade. I mean, this is my area of expertise, and I must say your proposal makes no sense. Why would we launch out at the worst possible time, 
and head for the least likely place. It'll never work. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. For most believers, there's only one thing that's keeping them from going deeper. And it's not necessarily their sins. It's something far more diabolical. It's their excuses, which are usually mostly true. Oh, Lord, I'm just too tired. Oh, man, I, I'm so busy. I'm too old. I'm too young. It'll never work. I mean, besides, what will people think? Look at Simon. Has he lost his mind? Whenever God makes an unreasonable request at a most inconvenient time, there's all kinds of objections available. And when all else fails, we can always play our trump card. We can use the excuse that is above every other excuse. No, 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 that's not possible. Because we've never done it that way before. That's the famous Baptist benediction. End of discussion. Thank you for coming. Drive safely on the way home. I wonder, are we perhaps just one excuse away from going deeper? From experiencing more? Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Wow, are you kidding? Did you hear that? That's amazing. How often does that happen? Lord, I'm busy. I don't feel like it. But because you say so, I will. Lord, I don't want to do it. I'm worried about what people think. But because you say so, I will. Lord, we have never, ever, ever, never done it that way before. But because you say so, I will. I think this is one of the most important moments in the Gospels. And it's definitely one of the most impressive verses in the New Testament. We should memorize this verse. Let's try. Repeat after me. Lord, I don't want to. But because you say so, I will. That's amazing. You know, Jesus himself had to do that. In Gethsemane, facing the cross, he said, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. The adventure begins when we obey, even when we don't want to. Oh, if we could just get past the barricade of our excuses. I don't know. Get more involved in church. I, I tried that once. It didn't work. Take on leadership responsibilities. Oh, last time I failed miserably. Lord, I don't want to give. I, I don't want to care. I don't want to forgive. But because you say so, I will. That is the working definition of obedience. If we love only those who deserve it, does that count? 
If we obey only when we feel like it, does that count? To obey when we don't want to, when we're too busy, that's when it starts to count. And that's why the Lord interrupts us. That's why he intrudes into our carefully planned life of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I still remember saying, Lord, I don't want to be a preacher. There's no way public speaking scares me. That's not me. That's not who I am. It'll never work. That was exactly 2,496 sermons ago. What if my objection had been my final answer. Where would I be today? I always wanted to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> Can you see that? Uh, God, thanks for interrupting me and intruding into my life. What about you? What are your goals? What are your dreams? Is that it? Is that all you got? Are you ready for something more? It begins when we get beyond our best excuse. Verse 6 says, when, <clears throat> when they had done so, when they'd gone out into deep water and let down their nets, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. For the most part, we live our life realistically with reasonably low expectations. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. But when was the last time your nets were so full that they began to break? Didn't Jesus offer us an abundant life? Doesn't he have the power to do exceeding abundantly above anything we could think or ask? Isn't the harvest 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold? This is not the prosperity gospel. I'm just saying, with Jesus, there's always more. So how do you get from verse 5, where they haven't caught anything, to verse 6, where the nets are beginning to break? You get there by responding to your next, next opportunity to obey especially when you don't feel like it. If you want more, dump your objections and start rowing. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he said, this is great. Thanks, buddy. How did you do that? I guess this makes us even. I let you use my boat. You fill it with fish. It's a win-win situation. We should do this again sometime. We could even get rich. Well, that's not exactly what happened. When Simon Peter saw this, when he saw this, he fell. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. At that moment, Simon understood. That's when he got it. He had a moment of clarity. And that's what made him different. John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 summarizes Christ's effect on his generation. It says, he was in the world, 
And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't receive him. They did not understand who he was. They must have had an outdated TGD operating system. That's through a glass darkly. Well, Simon just got the latest version of Windows because his experience had become transparent. Suddenly, he could see forever, all the way into eternity. That morning, Simon got a lot more than he expected. He got a boat full of fish and a glimpse of glory. He got a sense of who Jesus really was, and it was awkward. No, it was terrifying. Simon cried out, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I don't know if you've ever seen a glimpse of the supernatural realm. I've had that experience once in my life, just for a couple of seconds. Unfortunately, it was the dark side. That experience was worse than any horror movie that Hollywood has ever produced. And the impact was like getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. I staggered back, collapsed into a chair, and I remember struggling to breathe. It was absolutely terrifying. It took me three days to recover. I could barely sleep. I don't ever want another experience with the dark side. Now, the heavenly side of the supernatural realm is even more terrifying because those who've seen it, like Isaiah in the temple and John on the island of Patmos and Simon Peter, either collapsed in a heap or cried out in torment. That's because true holiness is not something we've ever experienced. It's an ecosystem that is hostile to our sinful human nature. The biblical word for that is wrath of God. Simon Peter felt like he was going to spontaneously combust. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And that's what should have happened. Jesus should have turned away from this sinner who was contaminated and contagious with evil. Get thee behind me, Satan. Depart from me, I never knew you. But that's not why Jesus came. He came for this. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And all they had to do was admit it. That's all they had to do was admit it. Jesus never said, no, 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 not you. You are too sinful. All they had to do was admitted, and he would open his arms and embrace them and forgive them, and they would receive him, and they would become his followers. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats on shore, left everything, 
and followed him. What began as a temporary interruption had escalated into an intrusion, but in the end, it became an invitation. From now on, you, Simon, you will catch men. That was definitely more than Simon expected. But that's how it is with Jesus. There's always more and less. It says, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. It should have said, they pulled their boats on shore, started cleaning the fish, prepared them for sale, and after splitting the profits, they followed him. It's amazing. They left everything, even the biggest catch of their career. Simon must have told his competitors, help yourself, it's all yours. They left everything. Sometimes we make a commitment and we issue a stop payment order. I just thought of something I have to do first. And then I'll follow you. Like the passage in Luke 9. He said to a man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. I got responsibilities at home. Still another said, I will follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Following Jesus is the first order of business. And if we have to postpone it, then we're not ready yet. We're not quite ready. The adventure is only for those who are prepared to leave everything and respond to the call of duty. Follow me. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. He must pick up his cross and follow me. Let's pray. Father, blessing and honor and glory and power to you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.